0: O U T D O O R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether, and fully loaded chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit fullyloadedchew.com. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast. This podcast series was designed to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters. We cover a variety of topics that will help you become more confident and comfortable in the field while hunting deer. On this episode, I talk with deer hunting fanatic Josh Honeycutt about the highs and lows of his season thus far. Josh also walks us through how he plans to approach this late season timeframe to fill his remaining tags another great episode coming your way listen close take notes this episode of the how to hunt deer podcast starts right now all right on the phone with me today mr josh honeycutt josh how we doing man
1: i'm doing great how are you
0: i'm doing good doing good now for those of you who don't know who Josh is, Josh is an outdoor writer and an outdoor content uh, provider, and he's been doing that for for several years. And he's also an avid, avid, avid outdoorsman. And you uh, can
1: take that avid and turn it into average. You <laughs> would
0: <be added> <laughs> there. Well, that's good because that's the kind of people we're trying to relate to today. Is the the entry level people, but don't don't get it twisted. Um, uh, Josh is uh, a hardcore deer guy. He loves to get out there and hunt as many seasons as possible, and uh, that is what we're going to talk about today. But Josh, before, yeah. but before we get into the meat and potatoes of, of today's episode, how has your season gone thus far?
1: Well, if if you you you're, you're talking me up a little bit because I'm still packing enough buck tags to to fire up a freight train. I think <laughs> I told you that the other day, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I've I've, I've packed. I bought. I think I bought t- buck tags and uh, or deer tags in in four states this year, and I'm still packing three of them.
0: So. Okay, where did you find success this
1: year? At at home here okay. in Kentucky, I uh, you know I uh, which is you know the, the area I hunt the most obviously, but uh, I killed a pretty good buck during uh, you know probably, I think it was mid October. I think it was October 17th, 18th, somewhere in there okay um but uh it was during our early muzzleloader season whatever that date was and um yeah it, it was a it was a good deer he's a cool buck he had a really unique rack um uh, you know and and i've been hunting also in kentucky or excuse me in ohio indiana and uh had a short hunt in georgia as well and uh, still got some time you yeah. know i still got some time in indiana but you know, not quite as much time as, as I'd like up there, but still got about a month and a half of season left in um, uh, Ohio. A little over that, actually, because they go through the first week of February. Okay. Uh, so I'm, that's, that's where I'm going to be focusing my most the, most of my attention for the remainder of the year is Ohio.
0: Okay. So one thing that we talk a lot about on, on this podcast in particular is overcoming adversity, learning from failure, trying to move. Um, Maybe talk to us a little bit about what you've learned through not being successful in those three other states.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think being unsuccessful is is where you learn the most. You don't learn as much from your success as you do your failures. So uh, there's plenty that, uh, you know, that I've learned this year. Um, And one of those things that I've learned in Ohio was to, to, even though, prior history is good. Knowing what deer tend to do on a property uh, is very valuable information, um, you know, such as where they like to bed, where they like to feed, where, you know, what travel routes they typically use uh, to get from point A to B, you know, stuff like that. That's, that's great information and really invaluable information when you're trying to have long-term success, uh, success and consistent success year over year in a given area. But, you can't always trust it because uh, you know prime examples we've been hunting uh, a particular property that that we're hunting there in ohio i think this is the third season and you know the deer have kind of changed this year what they were doing uh, or what they what they do based on what they've done the previous two years that we've hunted there um and i'm, I'm still trying to figure out why that is but um you know prime example i, I was set up kind of positioned to catch deer coming up out of a certain bedding area and the wind was perfect for that um and and i got blasted you know probably i guess it was a week or two probably about two weeks ago now because i had deer coming from a bedding area back behind me that they typically don't use um and and the wind was dead wrong for that one obviously so you you can't always rely on past knowledge uh, but it's still good to have it because generally more times than not uh it, it's valuable and, and correct and good and, and relevant but not always yeah so take that
0: example and run with it just a little bit why do you think that the deer had changed bedding areas uh and were coming from a different direction
1: yeah well so there's seasonal things that could that could be a factor there they like to bed down low i was i was focused on a lower elevation because uh, i'm hunting in hill country they're really really foothills between between foothills and mountains there in in Ohio, eastern Ohio. And um, you know, uh, so they like to bed at those lower elevations with whenever it's earlier season with and and they like to bed up higher during the late season. But sometimes there's a there's a mid range uh bedding area there that's kind of between the two uh elevations. It's a it's a mid range mid range bench that they like to bed sometimes regardless of the time of year, especially if it's a little bit warmer, which it was. And um you know, uh, it just seems like they've all but abandoned that based on my last couple of hunts in that spot. And I think it's primarily because of uh, uh, some, some neighborhood dogs that have been in there. And that's really what I think has pushed them out of there because there's a, uh, a rental house on the property. And uh, they have some new tenants and they've got some dogs that they kind of let run. And they've kind of been up on the property there, the lower lower elevations and mid-elevations. And I think it's pushed those deer kind of out of the lower and mid-range bedding areas, uh, mid-elevation bedding areas, and kind of pushed them kind of on up. Whereas they typically wouldn't push further up until we get a little bit later in the season.
0: Yeah. So are they traveling to the same food source? uh that they would if they were on that other bedding area or uh, have has that pressure turned them onto a different food source altogether
1: i think they've they've started targeting some neighboring food sources that i don't have access to a little bit more but they're still kind of hitting some of the food that's on the property that i'm on too okay um so but i think my, my next hunt which could be this week could be next week not sure exactly when i'll get there again Um, but my next hunt there, regardless, uh, you know, I, kind of know what the deer are doing now, I think at least a little better than I did before. And so I think I have the the necessary information, uh, to, to, to make adjustments and to, to hopefully, uh, you know, have myself in a little bit better position whenever I I catch these deer, uh, going from their bed to feed patterns.
0: Okay. So what are you going to change specifically in that, in that setup? Knowing what you know now, knowing um, that it caused you trouble last time, how are you you going to adjust that setup, whether that's a a new access route, whether that's a new tree stand location, in hopes to not get uh, busted again?
1: Both, I think. At least, for sure, a new tree stand location and potentially um new access routes entry and exit depending on what the 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 wind direction is going to be uh you know honestly a lot of times when i'm accessing tree stands i don't have just one dedicated entry route to a tree stand location some of them might some of them are i mean you know i know you know listeners know every situation is different um if if it's just a foolproof stand location you can oftentimes just have one dedicated in and out route that, that works just fine and never spooks deer but Um, you know, if the, if the access isn't quite as good, you know, sometimes you've, you've got to take completely different access routes. Obviously you're trying to avoid bedded deer um of an afternoon which this time of year i will hunt some mornings if i feel like i can get in there without bumping deer or if i only have a morning pattern on a deer um but uh more times than not i like to focus on the afternoons and so when you're hunting afternoons you're, you're trying to take those access routes that are avoiding bedded deer so they don't see smell or hear you um you're trying to take those routes where you're uh they're they're not going to catch your ground scent before they get within range and you get a shot opportunity Um, there's obviously a lot of moving parts there but uh, but yeah for sure we'll move tree stand locations um, might even have uh, you know uh, probably we'll be hunting on different wind directions based on what what the deer are doing now and we'll likely have completely different access uh, entry and exit routes too
0: yeah all right so this time of year it's crazy i mean right now it's december 15th uh, when we're recording this here in iowa it's way above normal like 35 to 40 degrees above normal temperature and and typically all of the all of the information coming out is about how to hunt this this late season deer uh in a cold weather scenario post rut cold weather scenario um talk to us a little bit about how how you think warm weather uh dictates deer movement this time of year and when i mean warm weather i don't mean like south versus north i mean above average temperatures
1: Yeah. So like a prime example, sticking to that same property, Um, you know, there was, I think the first season that we had that property. So it would have been two seasons ago. It was technically last year when, or 2020, whenever I shot the deer, because it was January of 2020 during the muzzleloader season. So it was the 2019-20 season, but it was January of 2020 whenever it actually occurred. Um, And so, you know, it was one of those things where, uh, it was late season and it wasn't as warm as it is right now. So, you know, while we're, we're way above the, the the annual averages, uh, currently, but I would say on that particular hunt, it was probably maybe 10 degrees above the annual average, which is still a good bit, but nothing like we're seeing right now. Um, but yeah, you know, it was kind of a similar situation there. Um, and, and what I decided to do instead of focusing on, um, you know, carb-based food sources such as mass crops, hard mass, because there's not a lot of, there's not really a lot of, uh, uh, agriculture grain in southeastern Ohio. Um, so really when you're looking for, for cold weather food sources, it's going to be carb-based, you know, hard mass, uh, in that part of the world, you know, in, in a you know, grain country, it's going to be corn and beans, you know, if there's, right cut corn standing corn standing beans um but there it was hard mass so you know in cold weather there I focus acorns on nuts, right the, the acorns yeah you know yep. acorns and if there's not many acorns hickory nuts uh you know because there's you know deer will eat hickory nuts too it's, it's low on their list but they'll eat it um you know another hard mast as well but you know whenever it's warm it's kind of the opposite i, I, I tend to to experience and and i'm not a biologist so i don't know for sure but i i think at least where I hunt and in my anecdotal uh, uh, experience, um anecdotal research I, I really think these deer tend to target green food sources whenever it's really really warm and that makes sense because that's what they do in the springtime whenever these deer yeah. start to sense spring is coming you know or when spring does come you know you have that sudden influx of green growth and so it kind of you know triggers them to focus on that while we don't necessarily have that new sudden green growth right now it can sparkle some 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 short especially if we get long-term spells of this warm weather, it can kind of spark some early growth. Most of the species aren't going to be duped, so to speak, by these uh, early and midwinter warm spells, but uh, it can trigger a little bit of green growth. But, But even if it doesn't, you know, what greenery is out there, such as food plots, you know, brassica plots, um, Turnips, uh, radishes, beets, you know, all the different greens that you focus on this time of year, wheat, uh, even clover that might be out there, whatever greens you have access to, uh, even forbs, if you don't have, you know, man made, so to speak, and it's not man made, but man provided uh, green food plots, um, even if you don't have that, you know, deer target forbs a lot in the wintertime, and that's a green food source. So if you know of an area that's got a lot of forbs, uh, so, but anything that looks like a fern, uh, that you hang on your front porch. Um, you know, deer are going to hit that whenever it warms up too.
0: Yeah. All right. So how do you, you're, you're, you're going after a green food source. Um, and you kind of talked a little bit about that. Now let's, let's throw in extremely cold temperatures and let's throw in our, you know, average cold weather temps, maybe crossing that line into extremely cold harsh weather with snow on the ground or the possibility of i don't know ice or snow or some kind of uh cold precipitation how does how does your approach change in the late season at that point
1: yeah well if i'm hunting a small piece of private land i tend to try not to 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 go in and pressure these deer when on the warm weather days um you know if you've got like a small 20 30 40 50 60 even 80 90 acre piece of prop, uh, of land um you know i tend to leave them alone on those warmer weather hunts unless it's getting you know kind of getting got down to the wire and i'm running out of time um and, you know and wait for those cold days because if you do wait for a cold day and you then you get it and you've had this long you know spell of warm weather and then you get a sudden cold snap maybe even you get some snow uh that's going to be a dynamite set habit, because that's what you're looking for really. Yeah. yeah. Especially in wintertime is, is not necessarily cold weather or warm weather, but a sudden change. Uh, you know, what, sp- I think what spurs, spurs deer movement the most is, is change in weather. So you can have a long bout with cold weather and then you have a sudden warm up, And I think, you know, that spurs deer to move too, or vice versa. You can have a long spell of warm weather and then it suddenly snaps off cold. And, 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 and you know, obviously I think that's king, but, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's really looking for temperature change, temperature swings. So yeah. not necessarily hunting whenever you, you know, it, it's consistent, and stagnant, but then hunting those days where you have a sudden change. And I, I think that's where you probably have the most success as far as capitalizing on deer movement.
0: Gotcha. So does, does the overall strategy change? I, I know that maybe the food source, the food sources change a little bit, but what about the strategy, morning hunts, evening hunts, uh, access routes, like maybe keying in on specific terrain features?
1: yeah. Well, you know, like you said, you know, I'm there in Ohio where I'm at, and it's going to be different everywhere you go based on, you know, tactics change with the terrain, time of year, specific situation involved, but just specifically speaking to, to, to that particular uh, property and, and, and type of scenario, since that's what we've been sticking with, you know, that there, you know, I'm really focusing on high elevation um, bedding areas at this point, especially if it gets cold. Now those high elevation um Uh, Bedding areas might not be as, as utilized by deer on these really, really warm spells. They might be bedding at lower elevations, closer to green food sources, especially if the best available bedding and thickest cover is at lower mid or mid range um, uh, uh, bedding areas. Uh, because you know they're closer to the food you know especially if there's a whole lot of heavy browse because that's a big food source this time of year too whether it's warm or cold Uh, you know i think you've got cold weather they're focusing on high carbs such as such as acorns you know warm weather they're focusing on greens but that that mid-range you know kind of between those two extremes you've got a lot you know deer browse animals that's what they focus on primarily that that comprises the bulk of their diet Uh, deer don't live on corn and beans uh, or even acorns throughout most of the year most of the year they're eating browse which is woody browse you know sticks leaves and twigs basically um, you know young tender growth especially whenever you're in the growing seasons um, but deer are concentrate selectors so even though they eat browse throughout most of the year and a lot of people call them browsers well, they're not technically browsers by definition they're concentrate selectors because they're eating the very very best of the plants that are available to them so for example in late winter one of the biggest things you can do for, for your deer herd, if they're running out of food, um, or if you think they're low on food is go in and and cut down some, uh, some low value trees that, you know, you may not really benefit from, from a timber harvest standpoint, or from a a mass production standpoint, because deer are going to just absolutely, uh, hit those tree buds that are, you know, right there on the tips of the limbs hard. And that's a very good food source for this time of year. So, um, You know that's something that deer eat regardless whether it's warm or cold so uh you know from a strategy standpoint i'm just trying to figure out what the deer are eating on the particular property that i'm hunting and it's going to be different from property to property um and there's going to be a lot of different moving parts as far as where they're bedding where they're eating what they're eating um and it really just you just got to get in there and hunt you know there's no way to know unless you just get in there and start hunting. And it's really a delicate balance between getting in there and figuring the deer out and getting in there and screwing the deer up. Right. And that's really the the, the hardest line to toe when it comes to deer hunting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What have you noticed throughout all your years of hunting about how deer behavior changes this time of year?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the early and late season are very synonymous um based on my experience you know the things that deer do uh you're not going to have as quite as much bacheloring uh, by bucks in the late season as you will early season but um you, I, you know deer I'm, I'm seeing bucks already starting to bachelor back up you know does they they act the same pretty much regardless of the time of year as far as social behavior but uh you know outside of the rut but um you know i think this time of year deer are definitely pressured they've been hunted hard Uh, that's going to impact how they behave they're much more skittish uh, i I think during the late season than than during the early season or even during the rut Um, so that they are much more aware and much more cautious Um, i know just from looking at some of the research and again i'm not a biologist but just from looking at some of the research the amount of ground they cover uh in daylight reduces greatly during the late season and so that means you've got to try to get closer to their bedding areas because they're not moving as far yeah. as they were during the rut um so you, you you know that's the biggest thing i think for late season success unless you have, have one of those super cold days where it just gets them up early and gets them moving um you know I, the, the biggest thing i think is for late season success is first knowing exactly where they're bedding at during the late season Second, secondly, knowing exactly where they're feeding at. And then third, pushing as close to those bedding areas as you possibly can without screwing it up.
0: Yeah. So. yeah. Is this time of year, knowing that the end is near at some point, um, is this the time of year to be aggressive or be cautious? Or is there, is there a, an ability or a possibility to be both at the same time?
1: I think, I think it depends on where they're hunting at. You know, for those who might be hunting in Kansas where I think their archery season goes out the December 31st, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, you've got two weeks left. So, I mean, y- you almost have to be aggressive because the two weeks isn't much time. Uh, and, you know, you if you see a good window in that two weeks, you might wait for that window. Um, but if it, you know, it's going to remain stagnant as the 10 day forecast seems to show that it's going to be fairly stagnant. I think it gets a little better next week, but, Um, I, I think, you know, it really just depends on the situation. If you have less less than two weeks of your season left, um, you gotta be more aggressive. If you're like me and I'm hunting in Ohio and it goes through the first few days of February, you got more time left. So, um, it really just depends on where you're hunting with the state you're hunting, uh, how many more trips or, or hunts you got left in you based on, uh, you know, budget and time. Uh, it, it really just depends. But yeah, I would say if you have less than two weeks of your season left, for sure, you almost have to get aggressive, especially, um, uh, and just hunt when you can, yeah. if, especially if you don't see a good window. But if you've got a longer spell, like if you've got a month and a half of season left or a month of season left, then obviously you can, you can, uh, afford to be a little bit more, uh, conservative or reserved passive in your approach, uh, at least until you get up to that window where you've got a couple weeks left and you got to make something happen.
0: Yeah. So let's throw you into that scenario uh there's let's just say ohio or indiana or whatever has two weeks left maybe a week left and you've dedicated some time to go out and and give it one last hail mary before uh, the season is over what does that hail mary for you look like
1: yeah you know it's 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 me generally whenever i'm in that hail mary and this is what I did last year, because I did not film my Ohio tag last year. My Hail Mary for last year, hunting that particular property, was staying right on the perimeter of it. I eat, well, perimeter of, of the bedding. You know, It really wasn't even inside of the bedding. I was kind of on the staging. And it's, it's, not classic staging, not what I really technically consider staging. Cause I think staging areas generally are, are more thicker areas. They don't have to be, you know, every staging area looks different, but, um, the classic staging area in my mind is, is an area where deer hold up before dark and then they move on out to food sources. But, right. um, but, uh, I, I kind of did that in reverse and I kind of got between where I thought the deer were bedding and where the deer were feeding at. And I kind of just got on the perimeter of that and backed off. It was bow season. It was late January, I think. Um, and it was the last trip I was going to make up there. And so that during the morning, I basically, and I was still trying to figure out what the deer were doing because they were kind of changing from day to day. Um, and so I got in there and I just kind of backed off in the timber and just glassed through the timber from sitting on the ground. I wasn't even going to stand to see what these deer were doing. And I caught a bachelor group of bucks uh, coming back out of the oaks and going back off to this, uh, high elevation bench to bed for the day. And so I went back in or, well, I was already at that point, uh, uh you know, pre- invested. So I just stayed there for the day. And that afternoon around midday, I eased on through in there and got basically where those deer had passed through and set up on that same trail. And I didn't have a stand with me. So I just kind of brushed in on the ground and, expecting those deer to come back from where they had went that morning, uh, set up right there. And they did. And I got a shot off at a deer. Uh, unfortunately there was a little thing of green briar about a, two or three feet in front of his, uh, vitals and it hit that green fire and it, the broadhead blade caught that. And it basically tipped the, uh, the knock end of the arrow straight up in the air. And so it just the, the, smacked him right in the side. So. Uh, I gave him a big spanking, but, uh, instead of, instead of killing him, but yeah. you know, it was just one of those things where it worked out, uh, it had that little piece of brick greenbrier not been there, but that was kind of my Hail Mary. So, you know, anybody who is still trying to figure deer out, if they don't have a super solid pattern on a deer and they're like, what are these deer doing? You know, of a morning, I wouldn't necessarily quote unquote hunt the deer, but I would ease in there and try to figure out what they're doing because it's almost like roosting a turkey. You know really that's what you're doing um it it just happens in reverse for deer you know um so that that's what i would do for my hail mary and what i will do if i'm still packing an ohio tag or indiana tag with two seasons or two weeks left to go in the season you know i'm going to ease in there of a morning if i don't have a pat morning pattern on a deer then i'm just going to set up somewhere on the fringe of the deer movement figure out where the deer are coming from, what food sources they're targeting, see where they're going back off to bed, and then make plans for the afternoon. Then, once you've got them figured out and you think you can move in for a morning hunt, I would still consider that, even though there's odds of bumping deer, uh, higher odds of bumping deer. Yep. But uh, mornings can be good during the late season too.
0: Gotcha. All right, so I want to talk about guys who, you know, Maybe they're they know they're done. They they don't have any more time to allocate towards hunting this year, or maybe they've already punched a tag and they're done for the year. And the the season is fresh. It's not five six months from now when we start all start to think about hunting again. Right, it, we're just coming off of a, a season. As we reflect on the past season, what should we really be focusing on as far as what we can do to make ourselves better, to put ourselves in better positions, to get more shot opportunities on, on deer in general?
1: Yeah, I'm a big believer in permanent stand locations. Um, I, I'm, I also hunt very mobile. I've got a, uh, a you know climbing stands that I'll use in certain situations. I have um, you know lightweight lock-on stands and and sticks that i'll keep on me so i can do hanging hunts that's how i killed my biggest deer and how i've killed other deer um but you know i I am a very big believer in having permanent stand locations you know you know you still need to check those pull them down during the off season put them back up but you know deer are very keen and, and, and i'm trying when i'm deer hunting i'm trying to get as close to those bedding areas as possible i'm trying to really push the envelope and so the best way to do that is to have permanent stands. That way you don't have to pack in a stand. You don't have to hang a stand because it's nothing for you to accidentally make a sound hanging a stand or packing in all that gear. So it helps you move in there and be, be much quieter and and, and whatnot. But, um, I think the off season is, that's the, the, the thing that I focus on the most during the off season is making sure I am, uh, creating new permanent stand locations, um, and improving those that already have, you know, that might be, you know, slightly adjusting them, turning the platform a little bit further this way or that way, raising it up a little higher, uh, adding some cover to that stand, uh, improving the shooting lanes, whatever it is. Uh, I'm trying to improve my permanent stand locations and I am trying to, 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 to create new ones. And, you know, most of those you'll never kill a deer out of. But whenever you finally do kill a deer out of one of them, you're going to be dang glad that you put it up. Yeah. So, um, and I, you know, one of the big things I do is try to concentrate these uh, permanent stand locations closest to bedding areas because it's a lot easier to be mobile you know in staging areas and food sources because you're further away from the deer it doesn't matter if you well it matters but it doesn't matter as much if you clink a, a something on a stand hanging it so i'm generally focusing these permanent stand locations in, in in the areas that are closest to the bedding areas it also gets those deer used to those especially if it's a bulkier stand like a ladder stand
0: right yeah that's a that's a really good point there All right. Well, I tell you what, Josh, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day and and chatting with us for this uh, really quick, very informative episode about hunting the late season and and how deer are acting this time of year. So uh, thank you very much for your time and good luck in filling the tags in the rest of the states that you have tags in.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to
0: today's episode. If you want to find out more information and utilize additional resources, visit DeerAssociation.com Hunting 101. There you will find links to the YouTube series, Guide to Successful Deer Hunting eBook, New Hunter Sign-Up Sheets, and Deer Hunting 101 courses. Additionally, you can listen to more outdoor-themed podcasts at Sportsman'sNation.com, on iTunes, or anywhere you download your podcasts.